0: hello and welcome to fuck yeah the podcast where we say fuck yeah to collaboration we are still on break y'all but we have a really fun bonus episode for you a couple months ago we recorded with amy and april of the shameless sex podcast we got together we had big plans to record from the pool, which did not happen. But we did record outside and discovered that we had only one microphone. So we turned it into a fun, silly game where we posed questions to each other and passed the mic around. So this is kind of a silly, refreshing, uh, fun conversation with Amy and April. We hope you enjoy it as we do our plotting and scheming for season three. We are pulling together some really fun guests for y'all. An upcoming we have a couple of things. Robin is teaching Spank Me Happy at the Pleasure Chest on October 25th. It's a Wednesday, so she is furiously working on that class to make it fabulous for y'all. So if you are in the LA area, you can go to West Hollywood and see her in person. The Shameless Sex folks, Amy and April, have their book coming out called Shameless Sex. It's a really fun kind of choose-your-own-adventure sexual self-help book, so check that out. You can also check out their podcast, Shameless Sex. And keep tuning in here for some of our favorite episodes from Season 1 that you might not have heard yet. We'll be releasing a couple more of those in the coming weeks ahead of our Season 3 launch. So stay tuned and fuck fuck yeah!
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the interview portion of Shameless Sex. (laughs) I'm already laughing because we've had some tech issues today, and we are in the most beautiful place with the most beautiful, wonderful humans, Uh, and we are here to uh, share some sort of circle of trust, or not, like, shameless sharing, maybe? And also, maybe it's trust because we're trusting y'all to, like, hold us in this place of love and acceptance and if you have judgments that's cool just like don't yuck or yum thank you Uh, and we would like to discuss some of our personal latest trials and tribulations lessons and understandings about being in a relationship and this could be everything from our current relationships to past relationships to maybe it's not even romantic partners to divorce to breakups to the good things and the sunshine and rainbows. Yay, all this fun stuff happened. But here's the thing. Four humans, one microphone. <laughs> Uh, we are going to introduce ourselves and then we'll go into uh, some topics of choice and just see what happens i'm amy i'm from shameless sex podcast i have other things that i would like to state and talk about later on but i will just leave it at that for now i have a dear dear friend named chip over here who's chip
2: hello everyone thank you for being part of this extravaganza of podcasting with our beautiful and amazing fuck yeah podcasters uh this is april lampert and i specialize in shameless sexing all of you all okay i'm sexing you right now with shamelessness
0: and i heart you uh that's all you know everything else okay here's sarah i am sarah tom chesson of the fuck yeah pod one half the lesser half? I don't know. The be- the equal half of Fuck Ya yeah Pod. Uh, I do things related to sex ed. Right now, I think the thing mostly I'm doing is resident sexual wellness advisor for Love Honey, which basically just means that I talk to people about sex and I write about sex and we talk about it a lot on our podcast. And we are in my backyard right now and my kitty almost just flew out of the house and into the yard because this podcasting situation is so fun, she wants to be part of it.
3: (laughs) Hi, this is Robin and I am the other half of the Fuck Yeah podcast. And um, well, I guess I'm an artist, I'm a former pro dom. And I, I'm working on a large clitoris costume right now, and I <laughs> do this podcast with with Sarah, and it's one of the best things in my life right now, and I'm really happy to have this going on with you, uh, three other beautiful humans. So what are we going to talk about today?
1: Well, Robin, we don't really know exactly what we're talking about today, and <laughs> we're going to figure it out along the way, because we're four humans, one mic. Yeah, right. Has anyone done this before? Oh, you all can't answer because no one can hear you because we have one mic with four humans. And I just want to say to everyone, I'm the ultimate interrupter. So this is like my exercise also. And I'm also talking a lot, so I should shut the fuck up. Uh, So I think what we will do is we heard about everyone here. We love the Fuck Yeah podcast. Uh, April was on the show maybe eight months ago. I think she was the first guest. First guest. Oh, right. And then I recently was on the show, but I don't know if it's been released yet. And so we are here to share different perspectives, ideas about our personal experience. Uh, and I don't know. I think we'll just go with this. So so Fuck Yeah is an amazing podcast that does this rapid fire thing. And when April and I both showed up separately, I don't know how you felt, April. How did
2: you feel? I was terrified because my brain doesn't work in rapid fire motion however you two crush it which is giving you the aftercare that you need after being rapidly fired on
1: yeah I was like are you fucking kidding me this is terrifying and but but it's like what if I don't get it right what if I say the right thing and it was really fun and I really enjoyed it so this is that uh but a little more in depth And we have the ability here to put the other humans on the spot, but they can answer however they want to and just kind of see what happens. Okay, I'm going to Robin now. Ooh, other podcasters, fun. All right, Robin, let's see. I'm going with the generic question that we already talked about, but please share with us one of the biggest lessons that you are currently learning about in regards to how you are navigating or will navigate future relationships.
3: Wow, Amy, great question. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, okay. So I am currently in... I'm about to hit my 13th year in relationship with the same man. And and the biggest thing that I've learned or that I am learning right now is how our little compromises at the beginning of a relationship will become huge, big deals over the course of a decade or however long it takes to become a big deal. Like, So, for example, I always have flagged, like, lesbian pretty hard, and when I was really buckling down and being like, all right, I got to find, like, my baby daddy, um, I was like, well, uh, maybe I got to tone it down a little bit because it wasn't working. I was finding, like, I was found some great junkies. I found some great, you know, like... Some, some great like, you know, guys to fuck around with, but then um, just not any dad material. So when I got really focused on dad material, I was like, well, maybe I'll fem it up a little bit more or maybe I'll do this. And this is the other big thing that I've learned. Like the next time I go into relationship, one thing that I really want to learn is to never really seek out what you're looking for. Three or four years ago, I would have told you I knew what I wanted and I found him. But what you think you want is not necessarily what you do want over time, right? So, I, I, it was what I wanted for like 10 years, but then over time, you change and then things happen, and then you're in relationship with each other on this intense level. And if both of you aren't rising to that challenge and also happen to be willing and able to grow in the same direction, then you're in a really different place than your partner after 10 years. And it just wasn't all of those compromises that I made became a bigger deal. I kind of was like, you know, look, I've been keeping my hair long because I think you like it, but actually I think I, I feel badass when I have my head shaved. So I'm going to do that again. And that's like an issue because that was like one of the things that he was really interested in. So I would say like, If I end up in a space, which it seems like it's heading there, where I might be open to a new relationship again, I would one, just not be concerned with what I'm looking for. Just be concerned with being as authentically myself as possible, laying it all out there as it is and finding the people that really jive with that and the people that recognize that we jive in this moment. Hopefully, maybe, it would be super cool if we jived for another 50 years. But, bruh, <laughs> let's both understand that that's probably not the way things work. You know, we change and evolve. So, we, this is great for now. And let's keep it going as long as we can. And then, you know, be open to how things change. So, that's what I'm learning right now. Yeah. So, April, I'm wondering... With all of your wisdom over the years, what would you say is, like, your biggest red flag in relationship? Or I'm kind of interested if you have a good one sexually. Red flags.
2: That is a great double, double dildo ended question. (laughs) Uh, And guess what? The fact is, like, red flags... Sometimes you don't even realize the red flags until after you've been in the partnership or relationship for some time. And I think that uh, I'm going to answer that first because my intuition has been the biggest guiding source for me in my relationships and trusting that rather than what the words are when I ask something and, and I'm not talking about. Uh, thinking like if you're if you're spiraling on something that isn't necessarily relevant because you had this experience when you were, you know, 15 and you're like, oh, I don't trust you because when I was 15, I dated this person that really fucked me over and you're probably doing that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you've had this experience probably with this person and then your intuition is saying something like deep in your gut, like something's off. So trusting your intuition and your highest self, which could sound Maybe a little bit like wooey to some folks, but that was something that I, um, in retrospect with, within my relationship, um, journey with, with any of my long-term partnerships really has come into play again and again, where I was like, I kind of knew that something was up. And if I addressed it, it, it sort of, if it was, if it was sloughed off, I'd be like, okay, all right, then maybe I am like just a little wild or witchy or crazy, So as far as Robin's question goes with sexual red flags, hmm, oh, here, I got it. I know. I'm going to call in a lesbian. (laughs) That's what I need. I need to call in a lesbian. I'm serious. Yes, it is. I am calling on a lesbian.
0: Um, Will you help me, Sarah, please? Ooh, okay, you just ping-ponged the question over to me. I was, like, getting deep with these, like, using your intuition to like guide your relationships I was like yeah April and like this whole thing of like the women's uh, socialization around like I've got to like do stuff to attract people to me rather than finding people but okay sexual red flags this is my question this is where this is where I'm at gosh I mean I think I've probably done some of my red flags and we probably all have in that like I think, well, first of all, if you are having sex with someone and they don't ask you any questions about what you like in terms of getting off, like, is it a vibrator? Is it a certain position? Do I need to talk dirty to you? Like, uh, should we are there certain kinds of dates that get you hot? Should I be texting you beforehand? Like, if no one's asking you those questions, then you should just tell them to fuck right off. (laughs) Uh, So red flag number one, like that, that to me is an indication that someone is a selfish lover, or repressed lover. Yeah, that's that was that wasn't me. That was Robin. (laughs) Four people, one mic. (laughs) Uh, I think uh, another red flag is, especially in the beginning, like, I am not a talker during sex. Like, I don't, I'll engage in dirty talk if that's what someone really likes, and I know that it, like serves a function but it's not necessarily like my go-to but in the beginning if you're not talking during sex and you're not laughing when things go wrong that's a really big red flag because you have to laugh through sex you have to be willing to like not know what the other person wants like what the dynamic is between the two of you so I think a lot of it is just about communicating about sex if you're not communicating about sex if someone's not asking you what you want if they're not checking in or giggling with you then uh, it might be fun the first couple times but you probably aren't going to have a lot of legs okay amy i'm going to stay on the sex tip for a minute right now with a circle of trust So I don't want to know like your favorite sex tip to share with your clients. I want to know like what is your newest thing that you've learned in your body sexually that is either like an igniter or the thing that like gets you over the edge. Like what is that like we're sitting around we're drinking wine we're sitting by the pool like what is the thing that you're sharing with me that you're like oh I just discovered this thing and it's so hot.
1: Well, um, so I actually talked about this on Shameless Sex recently, uh, and it really is a new discovery, which is so odd to me. And it was with Sterling Cooper talking about ple- pleasuring of a pussy. And we were doing this back and forth about our, April and I, our experiences about receiving pleasure from penis-owning folks, whether it was with a mouth, fingers, sex toys, cocks, et cetera, dildos, all the things. And I shared on there that... One of my latest things was one I didn't really. I've never liked oral sex in the past. It was always a little ticklish and squeamish, and uh, because I was kind of laying there, one reason is I was kind of laying there like receiving and not really doing a lot, and so I was just this passive receiver. Another reason that stems. Further beyond that is uh, a lot of the people that pleasured me in the first place. My first couple sexual partners didn't even offer to put their mouths, maybe not even fingers, on my pussy. Except for the one time with the Bloodhound Gang. You know what I'm talking about, April. Yeah. Not the the gang. That's the song. (laughs) It's in our book. It's You and Me, Baby, Ain't Nothing But Mammals. Yeah. So you know who you are if you're listening. That finger bang did not feel good. Uh so but what I discovered in the last couple of months, you know, age thirty-eight and I think the first mouth that went went onto my pussy I was like eighteen maybe, but I had penetrative sex with five penis owning folks at that point. Uh, was that if I grind into their body and face, it's so much better. Better, in fact, super orgasmic, way more connected because it's not just me laying there and they're doing a thing to me or for me. I'm a part of this, and we're in this wave of my genitals, my pussy moving with their face. I'm not face fucking them. It's, it's different than face fucking, although that does happen sometimes. But it's only when they ask for it. Everyone, okay? So, um, so that was profound for me, but also. This moment of like, wow, I'm kind of a fucking idiot. How do I not realize this? And also beautiful in, but how do we realize this? Because this is not what we're taught. And I have listened to so many podcasts and read so many books and, you know, went to school for human sexuality. And no one said, oh, by the way, when someone is pleasuring you, learn to move with their body in a way that works really well for you also feels very organic and authentic and is, is, it's not a performance, it's not a certain way of doing it, and also going piggybacking on what someone else said, I think someone, something you said, Sarah, is, and if they're like critical about it or they're not able to meet you in it, and they're like, what are you doing? You know, then, then that's not a good fit. I have another question for everyone. How is this listening spotlight exercise of being the person who has to just talk and no one is actually feeding you other than our gestures, and we're saying things in the background, Uh, Did it feel beneficial? Did it feel helpful? Is it interesting? Like, what did you learn?
3: Amy, first of all, I feel like this is a question that you should answer first because (laughs) you seem to have the most difficulty with it. So here you go. So
1: I was over here making a lot of noise in the background and also had some moments where there were so many things I wanted to speak to. It's hard. It's really hard to sit here and speak from myself without feedback because i and i normally just talk really fast and do like this but i can go slow finally uh it's also really hard not to speak to your experience uh or other people's experience i had so many things i wanted to say for all of you i wanted to say thanks to you i wanna say so robin i want to say thanks to you sarah i want to say thanks to you april um and i uh probably did at times and so i Here's the interrupter, Amy, who wants to say all the things. And I did find it a little bit... liberating. is not the word. It's edgy and informative as to how much I want to comment on other people when they tell me about themselves. And I don't know how helpful that is when I do that instead of just listening and being
3: with it. I think, Amy, are you describing the podcast listeners situation? is this the way you all feel right in right into us and tell us about it because I think the communication thing is so huge Um, but in general red flags like maybe not necessarily sexual I now have like certain things like knowing now about embodiment and these would be red flags somewhat for me in the past also but like my big red flag now is like whether or not they will dance not whether or not they're good at it But almost whether or not they enjoy dancing. And this, of course, is like, I know we all have our things and there's plenty of reasons why people do or don't do things. And I'm not trying to throw judgment blanket on people like you don't dance, whatever. But I do have like, I can see now that my partner who I've been in partnership with for 13 years, he's always taken dancing as like, I will never do it. And if you're going to really try to push me into it, I'm going to do a super goofy dance so I look stupid anyway because I know I'm going to look stupid you know it's so it's like this intense kind of self-scrutiny and self-criticism that is also very restrictive on his own ability to embody himself and so now it's like I it's just one of those things that I think I would keep an eye out for I mean you're super autistic you got like you know dance trauma stuff like that that's different (laughs) You know what I mean It's like I can be down, you know who knows what a dance a dance troupe came and danced all over you. I understand about that, but just in general, I kind of just am now looking for the freedom to be authentically yourself without having to have all of this outside pressure about whether or not you look stupid or I'm just like so done with all of that stuff and and it and those I think it can be signs that can show up later in other parts of your relationship where they're more concerned with looking a certain way than showing themselves to you in that you know, you can only be with the role that somebody is for so long. You want to actually be like with the person if it's going
0: to be over decades. What are your thoughts, Sarah? I have, a, I have a share that is somewhat off topic, but not really. Because I just remembered that we had you on the podcast and you gave us a few exercises, Amy. And I did it. I did your sexy beast exercise right after we recorded the podcast. So, okay. So we had Amy on the podcast on, uh, it aired August 24th, in fact, um, today, uh, and We were, you know, obviously picking Amy's brain for all of her amazing training and knowledge that she has gone through. And so we were like, hey, can you give us some tips and some of your coaching tools? And you shared the sexy beast Like you gave a really great grounding exercise and then that you get into a, you know, a totally private space and you get on the ground, like on all fours, like whatever it's going to take. And you just start like touching your body and just really let whatever is going to come out, come out. And suddenly I realized we finished recording and I was like, oh, no one is home right now. I live with my fiance and my daughter And so, like, to have the house to myself for hours was like, oh, it's a fry. uh, Okay, well, that exercise made me feel a little uncomfortable when I thought about it. So, that means I should probably go do it. So, I did. And it was so fantastic. And I guess it's, like, it also ties in a little bit to the red flag. Maybe this is what made me think about it. Because one of my things that I'm doing right now, I'm red flagging myself, in that I'm like overly reliant on sex with my partner as my source for sexual expression right now. And like I know how to have a good, rich sex life with myself, but I've sort of abandoned it recently. Cause I love sex my, my part my I love sex with my partner so much. Like we have amazing sex. And so I was like, okay, this is this is good for me because she's, you know, She does physical labor. She's tired. It was, like, Friday. I'm like, she's going to get home, and she's not going to want to, like, fuck it out, but I've got, like, some pent-up energy. So I just, like, noticed my limbs. Like, I was like, I love my limbs so much. They're very long. Like... (laughs) I'm noticing how long my limbs are and they're so great. And then it was sort of like it was becoming kind of bird-like. I'm like, oh, in my head, right, thinking that makes a lot of sense because I love birds. I really relate to them. Like whenever I see like a uh, migrating bird soaring overhead. I'm like, oh, that's so freeing. But I was like, I, I did, but that's not totally it. I was like, if I just went with that, that's me letting my head take over. Like I have to just let my body keep doing this thing. And then I discovered, oh my God, I love my hair so much. I started like flipping my hair around. My hair is like going all over my body. So what I came to eventually, after a long time, by the way, this was awesome. Such a great exercise. I think I'm a flying center. <laughs> uh, yeah so that is that was my i, I then text robin i i sent uh, <laughs> i sent robin some pictures i'm like i think this is my sexy beast yeah. oh it was so great uh, okay. Yeah. So that, that wasn't exactly my burning thing that I wanted to contribute as everyone else was talking, but I did realize I did want to share that on your podcast. So April, your turn. Any, um, burning things that have come up for you as we've been talking and you have not had the talking stick?
2: No, I feel really complete with all of it and hearing everyone else. It's felt really good. And I honestly feel like I share so much of myself with the world a lot um i'm feeling like sometimes you can just say no you can say hey i pass Mm -hmm. i pass the mic to amy i just want to honor
1: april's pass or i'm complete because i think that that is really valuable uh and so thank you for that and being true to where you're at Yes, the opposite so. Robin's like, is that the opposite of an interruption? Yes, it is a pass. And this, yeah, I mean, I would like to just stay in my space, and I don't, I don't have more to share on this. So, uh, which I think is really valuable to sex as well as any relationship you're in.
2: Amy, let's talk about non-monogamy because you've seemed to nail it, and you really have. And people struggle with the idea of how that will work. And I want to know not only how you have made non-monogamy work but i want to know like feelings that have come up that you would want to share with someone that was new and i have not
1: nailed non-monogamy thank you chip thank you for that i certainly have not nailed it um i have explored in it and had really great experiences and been really fortunate to have that we were just on another podcast we were talking about this where the host was asking me about it and he was like I, essentially like i don't really know exactly how you were able to to do this to go into a space where you're open to explore being intimate with other people without rules um and I, what i said there was that we were on the same page it wasn't one person being like i want it essentially it like well originally it was him uh, my partner who was wanting this place the, to go in the space before me, like he actually initiated this conversation. And I was like, what the fuck? At first. And then, because we've we been monogamous, it's not like the first round of being non monogamous. But having these separate experiences, at first I was a little bit, uh and I didn't feel like I wasn't worthy. Uh, it was not that thing. What if you find someone better? I'm not good enough. So, but then I came around, I was like, wait, this is really scary. Oh, no, no. Oh, there's an opportunity here of some sort. of. Like, okay, so here it is. He feels this way. He wants to have these experiences and he wants to stay connected to me. And how do we put that together? And then, so opportunity instead of extreme pain point. And it was not like brainwashing myself. It was just this natural process of working with it. And then I was like, wait, I get to be 38 and like have sex with other people while still being in this loving connection with this other person and not knowing what will happen but I get to go and have these, maybe sex to me is an umbrella term, right? It's like making out all the things. Um, and then I got excited. And and we continued to stay in contact with each other, but it had limitations in how often we in contact me, and my, my partner and I. Uh, and I had some really amazing experiences. Uh, and... Yeah, well no well yes. Uh so I my thing was like I'm looking for the pussy worshippers. Just saying. I didn't put that out there, but I like I'd find them somehow. I'd be like, Oh, and I could tell with that. I think you were talk- commenting on this too and maybe you as well uh, about uh sorry putting it Robin and Sarah about um people who the giving part, like how they show up. I think it was yeah, Sarah speaking to this. Uh the selfish lovers, love y'all. Stop being selfish. Uh and uh and, and finding people that really wanted to like give in a big way and my pussy has been through a lot in its lifetime and I personally feel like I need a lot of giving before I can give for the most part not always but I need to feel really safe and secure with people and secure does not mean that you love me or we're like committed but grounded and I found a couple of those people and had some really great experiences. So this is a long version of have not nailed non have explored it and, and had really great experiences. My partner had great experiences and we put them together. And now we're trying to figure out like, how do you do the future? And how we're doing the future is being really patient with the answers on what needs to happen next, meaning we don't know and we don't have to know. Like what are we? Are we Are we poly? Are we this? Are we that? We don't know. We're just hanging out here until we have more answers. Which brings me to uh, my friend over here, to my right, Robin, since we're going the, the round Robin? Oh. Round robin. <laughs> um, well, I'm just going to say, I'm
3: going to le- drop that mic in your lap and see how you feel about it. <laughs> I am very interested about non-monogamy and where the mindset is now. I feel like this, sh- this, I would like to get some guests on about this. I know you guys have recently also, but I've always felt non-monogamous, um, and I've done polyamory and I'm in a monogamous relationship now because I'm also like really tired all the time. And I'm like, fine, that's fine. We can do that. You know, I can do it, but it's, um, in my heart, I'm just like, not that jealous. I'm like, unless you're, unless my partner's with someone who I find like unethical or gross in some way, and I don't mean that in a judgy way, but like some people I'm just like, for why, when I was in poly polyamorous relationships, if they were sleeping with someone that. I would just be like, I need, like, you to have, like, a couple days between us, you know? So that's, like, a thing. But I would love to know where things are at now because I haven't been polyamorous or non-monogamous in a long time. And I know there's, like, all these differentiating factions of that also. So I think that's really interesting. I am trying to ethically uncouple right now. Or I don't even know if that's necessarily the term. We're just separating in this way that seems kind of... I I don't know what's the word like, not a prophecy, but it's just like, it's just heading in that direction. You know, it's kind of like a prophecy. Like I, I, I feel like I keep trying to make moves to stop it. And it's just not, the more I try to stop it, the worse it gets. So I'm just trying to stay in my own peace. I'm actually the happiest I've ever been in my life because I'm, I got my meds real nice and I'm the most healed that I've been. So I know I'm moving in the right direction and I'm trying to uncouple or just uh, not uncouple but establish my own space we're extremely lucky in that we live on a property with two houses my parents used to live in the other house and they've died and so now we have this extra house that we've kind of casually rented but not really and I moved into that house against his wishes but I'm just trying to be like bro like we I can't be in your space anymore. Like it felt like I was like an extra in his movie after a while. Like when I moved out of the house, there was, you couldn't tell that I moved out, you know? And so I was in this situation where I was just being like a supporting role in somebody else's life. And I'm trying to establish my own life and everything, but I am just open now. I'm open sexually. I wouldn't, call myself straight like I've always been on the queer I've been the queerest straight person you've known but I'm like that person but I'm like also like when did I define this and like I'm I'm ready for just whatever I just want to live like my own life (laughs) you know and all of these restrictions that we end up accumulating from other people and everything and the way that we fulfill their lives and what they expect from us and everything I'm just like you know I just, I don't have space. I, and I do have kids. I have two elementary school age kids. And for me, it's ideal that we have two houses on the same property. And I'm trying to set up a co-parenting situation. Um, but he has much more traditional ideas. But I'm trying to just keep doing what I need to do and just allowing him to do whatever he's going to do. So I'm just establishing my own truth in my own space. And I'm hoping that he'll be chill. And actually like he keeps, he kept, he'd be like, if you go into that back house, that means divorce. I'm like, okay, well I'm going. And then I go and then no divorce. And then he's like, if you do this, then that means divorce. It's interesting. Like for him, he was raised by Europeans that were, I mean, his dad was six years old during world. I mean, he was a school age kid during world war II. And his mom was born shortly after World War Two, And so there's this traditionalism and um, extreme fear-based uh, way of life that I think is it's generational trauma. So he actually has like some generational trauma that is much more similar to like boomer trauma than Gen X. And I'm like a hardcore Gen Xer, but so I feel like we have almost like... We're only 10 years apart, but we have like an intergenerational difficulty understanding each other where I'm like, hey, man, let's be authentic and feel into ourselves. And he's like, you're not doing the correct thing. This is not correct. And how can this be a relationship if you're not in the same house with me and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm just I'm just doing it and seeing what happens. He can go if he wants. But I think it's really an ideal situation for us. And, I, and he's starting to settle into it. So we'll see. I'm just gonna do what I want to do, and maybe he'll he'll do it too. (laughs) You can be on my journey. (laughs) Oh yeah, I don't know what I do. Yeah, are we still asking questions? Are we just getting like big reactions? Oh well, you know what? I know that Sarah, you're a serial monogamist. How? What are your thoughts about non-monogamy personally and just in general?
0: I'm curious. Ask a lesbian. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. I so wish I was a non-monogamous person. And I've had, okay, I've had like a few moments that I have described like as like, oh, that slutty summer I had or like after my divorce, like that was really fun. Like, and I actually did, I, I got divorced. My daughter was two And, uh, so naturally, like I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could get into a serious relationship right away. So that was like a really fun opportunity to date. And like, I did date a couple people at the same time, but man, like I met Andrea who I'm now engaged to and like, I just... I cannot imagine us being non-monogamous like she still has photos from the 90s of like Madonna and Cindy Crawford and when we moved recently we moved in the spring and I like keep finding all these photos of fucking supermodels and I'm pissed (laughs) like I can't handle it and it's just like I don't know if it's like deep programming of like fucking like heteronormative bullshit around like what relationships are supposed to be or if it just is really my true nature so I guess I'm that person who's like oh I love those unicorns out there who can be ethically non-monogamous and then for me I feel like my monogamy extends as far as like or like non-monogamy for us is like We could role play. We can kind of flirt with other people, and like that's fun. Um, But when Andrea and I first got together, I wanted to have threesomes with her so badly. I wanted to, I actually at one point was like, we have got to start doing porn because like our sex is so. good like we have to share it with the world we cannot keep this to ourselves and she was like absolutely not under no circumstances am I doing porn with you and I was like okay fine uh so yeah I think that like when we were in new relationship energy I really had that desire to kind of share the relationship at least in like some sort of threesome form and we just never acted on it she wasn't particularly comfortable with it Um, and so now we've gotten into this phase I guess like as a mom also I don't know how people have the time for non-monogamy like it's such a I think to do it well you have to really commit to being in great communication with everybody involved and i just for one i'm not somebody who has that time <laughs> and clearly also have just like some shadow sides of monogamy that i'm still dealing like you know if if photos of beautiful women that really mean nothing right like made me feel a little some kind of way you know like that's that's clearly some stuff i still have to work on so i'm going to ask you a question april And then I, maybe, and then maybe, and then maybe we wrap it up. April, my question to you, uh, I guess as we're like on this, we've evolved into this like non-monogamy, monogamy conversation. And I know that you were public about having a partner cheat on you. And so I guess like, how did that change your views on, monogamy and i mean obviously cheating is not ethical non-monogamy i'm not trying to conflate the two but do you feel like you felt differently about it after having gone through that experience thank you for
2: both of you robin and sarah fuck yeah fuck ass. Yes. it's fuck yeah for a reason uh <laughs> that being vulnerable as fuck like that's the thing like fuck yeah to being vulnerable and Robin, I like the the amount that you shared with what you're going through like it made me like I'm like, getting like uh like a little bit becleft as they say on the East Coast because it's like really yeah it's heavy like l- relationships can be really heavy and Sarah, I understand why non monogamy isn't your journey because like the compilation of what you're both speaking to is why. I like like chose on some level to be in my partnership because I have a partner that I absolutely adore and am in love with and it was like a, a person that I never knew that I would be in, in a long-term relationship with and we've been together almost for seven years but the reason that it, it does kind of uh it's intervenous with what you both were talking about is because cheating was really hard and he wasn't getting what he needed out of the relationship. And I wasn't either. Like I wasn't, we weren't serving each other in the relationship. And I look back on the aspects of the relationship and there were so many red flags by the way. And I don't think either of us had the tools. I didn't have the tools. Even then when I met him in 2017, 20, like I didn't know the tools that I could implement or how to, and I still work on implementing the tools to speak to him about, Oh, my boundaries are this, or I'm, I'm feeling this way. And so I was traveling all the time for work and his language of love is quality time. And the more I was gone, the more I think that it was like a thing. And Dude, sometimes when you don't speak to things, and I would be like, Hey, why are you doing this? And he'd be like, Why are you doing that? And then we'd like fucking bump chests. And I was like, I am not a penis-owning person. Like, why are you trying to flex on me? And he'd be like, dude, you acting like a dude. And I'm like, dude, let's just oh be gosh. dudes. <laughs> It'd be like, duding. We're duding, and I'm not even a dude. So but like this sanctity of monogamy is so important to me because I was diagnosed with an STI when I was 17. And so I was like, monogamy is safety. Safety in monogamy for me. That's what I, in general, feel about monogamy. And when I met my partner, I was only, like, I had supper, like, penis and vagina, sex. Penis in my vagina. Which, fuck, dude. Which I actually... In our book, we talk about how sex is identified so differently. Now that I'm like, I only slept with four people. I was like, no. I sex with like 65 people because like a bunch of dudes went down to me and a bunch of chicks too. So I was like, that's fucking... It's like erroneous material. It really does feel erroneous at this point because... I I had thought that sex was defined by this penis in my vagina, in my vagina, (laughs) in my my vagina, like I'm in in the UK. Yeah. In my vagina. So that's, but that's what I thought from my Midwestern self. Uh, So I thought because I was, I was broken, right? Well, I was 17 and broken because I got an STI because I had had sex with a dude with a penis and that, whatever. There's so many things, but. I'm not digressing. I'm getting to a point. Monogamy was safety for me. And when my partner pretty much gutted me by hooking up with one of my friends, um, not one of my best friends, just one of my friends, um, I was gutted because I thought I could trust the monogamy path. And so that was a really difficult thing for me to digest. And then I realized that, okay, I can rebuild. And there is... There is space for believing that people can actually come back from from I think betrayal, and betrayal is a thing that's it's lying right. It's like in in a nutshell, it left me raw, exposed, and really pissed off as a woman, and I still I gotta tell you, it's hard for me. I I like have bad dreams. <laughs> Yeah. Last night I was like, Amy, I woke up and like, it's like, it's not easy. And so I chose to get back together and re re, but I want to, I don't think I could ever be naga, monogamish or, um, open with my partner where I could, uh, monogamish. Um, I could be monogamish with my, with my partner, but I would have to be there in the presence of him and myself together, um, while we were experiencing other people. I couldn't be on a dating app, which I've never been on a dating app. Uh, And what you're going through, Robin, I don't know because I don't have children. And I don't like, I don't know. But if I was unhappy with someone, I I don't know. I'd probably fuck about too. I did that with my husband. I fucked about. I fucking had an affair. Yeah, I fucked about. All right. We have to close this episode out because April is rhyming too much. And don't touch the Amy while she's grabbing the mic. Because you might get fucking flow blown on on a pike. Wow. All right. That
1: was good. Although you're not watching us. We're all in bathing suits because we were planning on recording this in the pool, but we had some technical difficulties. So we did the round Robin. Yeah. Four humans, one, Mike. Uh, I love everything that you shared and you shared Sarah and you shared Robin. Uh, And I like that we have multiple perspectives on. So I want to do a shout out to... For Shameless sex listeners. We have people that have written to us, and they're like, "Why do you talk about non-monogamy so much?" It's like you're preaching to us, like we should do it. And so, obviously, in this episode, this is not what it's exactly about. Well, yeah, or, or but we're not. So we're not saying though. We're not saying that there's one size fits all. Obviously, Sarah is a serial monogamous, as you said, Robin, and monogamy doesn't fit your mold. And while you would like it to, maybe uh, it's not the right fit for uh, for your being and for your relationship now. And and maybe never, or, or maybe someday, who knows? And you're very clear on that. And April, you're clear on that as well now. And I think in the past too, you've, um, you've, you've been in monogamous relationships. You Like, all of us are in our ways and everyone listening here. And if you choose to do monogamy, non-monogamy, you choose to go into a long-term relationship and you're finding it really challenging and you're seeing, like, well, there's some red flags, but I'm going to hang in there. There's some red flags I'm going to leave. I believe in marriage. I don't believe in marriage. I want to have kids. I don't want to have kids. Uh, Ultimately, uh, and then also so many of the other things we talked about, red flags, and, like, I think what what I'm hearing is a lot of core values, a lot of things that are really important and intrinsic in us and intrinsic is a tricky one because it's like what was intrinsic when I was five and 10, 10 and authentic yeah and like my 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 real truth of what's really important to me uh and I think it I personally think it can shift but I think also part of that is just experience get, helped us get more clear And the more clear we get through experiences like this, like get you know, four humans, one mic uh, might be a part of that. Well, because now it's out there to like thousands of people. Um, And you don't have to do it that way, too. You don't have to tell everyone. You don't have to tell anyone. But maybe asking that question of, you know, like, what is a real red flag to me from what I've learned? Not what everyone else said. Not what Sarah said, Robin, April, Amy um, what's mine you know what how do what do I want to do with that and how do I want to exist in a different way so um, and so many other pieces how do I want to have more sex more fun more joy more pleasure uh, anyways if you have not listened to the fuck yeah podcast can you sing your theme song can someone sing it oh, oh come fuck on come on
3: yeah! yeah, Fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. That's
1: it's fucking awesome uh, it's fuck yeah and I love their podcast so much. So I would like to ask both of you, number one, because uh, you do seasons too, so when can people find your podcast? Where can they find your podcast? How can they work with you? How can they find you, find you and find your socials, all the things, like give them all the, the pieces?
0: Yeah, we are the Fuck Yeah Pod. Season two, uh, we are, I don't know, somewhere probably around episode 18 of season two. So our last episode airs on October 5th with Tristan Taramino we're actually doing a live event so we're really excited about that so I guess if you're listening to this before our live event and you're in Los Angeles it will be at the Pleasure Chest on Thursday September 28th but you can find us on TikTok and instagram at fuck yeah pod you could email us at Fyapod at gmail.com we're on youtube also at fyapod if you want to see our faces gmail and youtube don't like the word fuck for some reason so we have to be we have to be f yeah on those platforms but uh yeah fuck yeah pod anywhere you get your podcasts well, everyone, you heard it from uh, the
1: Sarah Tomchessen, the I don't know Robin's last name. But Robin. <laughs> Robin, what? I don't know Robin Jennings (laughs) or Robin I don't know Jennings there you go uh April Lambert and myself Amy Baldwin uh this is our free flow round Robin uh circle of trust uh honesty whatever blah 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 who knows and free fall uh free flow uh whatever (laughs) I I mean some of us kind of fell and they were like oh shit it's really it's really uh, I'm on the spot Uh, uh, so thank you for listening to the shameless Lux podcast please go to the fuck yeah podcast on all the podcast apps rate them give them five stars tell them fuck yeah but don't write fuck because itunes might not like that as sarah said so uh rate us five stars please too we love you thank you for tuning in see you next tuesday and ciao for now
2: Fuck Yeah! Podcast is hosted and produced by Sarah Tom Chesson, hashtag my mom, and Robin Jennings. Theme music is by She, Her, Sir. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would mean a lot if you would write, review, subscribe, or share with a friend. You can get in touch by emailing us at fyapod at gmail.com or find us online at fuckyapod.com.